Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Let's give them a hand this morning. Good to see you. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's worship the Lord this morning on this wonderful day. Come, 
verses from Proverbs uh, in celebration of this day and also in recognition for uh, God's gift and God's gift to us for, uh, of moms. As Solomon says, as he says in verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, wi- of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so as Solomon encourages his the, the reader, us, the audience, hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a garland, a graceful garland for your head and a pendant for your neck. So the good, faithful teaching of a mom that directs one to the Lord. So we have uh, much to be thankful for this morning. Thank you, moms. And uh, we will pray for you in just a second and uh, thankful for uh, God's gift of, of mothers and mothers that direct, uh, direct us to the Lord. And so, welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family. I uh, would like to welcome you if you're a guest. There should be a card right in front of you uh, that uh, says connection card on it. If you would take that, drop that in to the offering, on, the offering basket on the way out, after you fill it out, of course. And I uh, would love to have a record of you being here, be able to pray for you, reach out to you this week. Uh, that is uh, that is right there in front of you, and also uh, we will uh, we'll be taking communion today, and so there are uh, cups in the back on a table, and so if you missed those as you came in, you're welcome uh, to to hop up and grab one of those in the next few minutes, and uh, be able to get that and uh, be prepared as we take communion together a little later. So if you would join me in prayer, Father God, I thank you, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this day to celebrate, um, to celebrate motherhood, and Lord, also to give thanks to you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your your gift of of grace upon us, uh, Lord. That we see we see such uh, such a description of selflessness in uh, in how how a mom takes care of her her children, Lord, and sacrifices for them. Lord, we we thank you and ask your grace, Lord, your blessing upon moms this morning uh, who who have gathered here today and who are gathering with us online, Lord, that, Father, you, Lord, would nurture and be with them and take care of them and bless them, Lord, uh, with your spirit through your word this morning. God, would you speak to us, open our hearts to you this morning, that, God, we would hear from your word, we would hear from your by your spirit, Lord, for what, what you would have for us this morning. Direct our attention and our gaze before you, that, Lord, we would see clearly who you are, 
and be, God, drawn into your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matthew. If you would stand, let's continue our worship. Once again, there's power in 
think it's good there we go good to see you here today and uh, it was good to be together last Sunday evening around a meal time together it was just wonderful and uh, because this is Mother's Day we won't be meeting tonight but uh, Lord willing next Sunday night we're going to gather again and uh, the menu for next Sunday night is homemade ice cream I don't buy this store-bought stuff, okay? Now, if it's a choice between store-bought and homemade, and, and uh, go ahead and buy the store-bought, okay? But if you can make homemade, uh, we'll make homemade at our house. So you should make it too, okay? Uh, it'll be a great time together. There's just nothing like uh, the people of God gathering together and the... Uh, early disciples did around meals with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it, it is a uh, biblical thing to buffet your body. And uh, yeah, I could go on with lots of those. But uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to Second Peter. And uh, we are going to uh, finish the first chapter of Second Peter. And uh, talking about today the voice of God, about hearing the voice of God, discerning the voice of God, knowing when God speaks to you. And uh, it is essential that you and I hear from God, that we know it's God's voice talking to us. I... Uh, I had a dream the other evening, uh, and uh, I had one arm around uh, uh, W.A. Criswell, who longtime pastor at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, who was the uh, uh, president of the semin of the college when I went there, and. Uh, and on the other side was Jerry Vines, who was my pastor at Dolphin Way in Mobile, did uh, Janet and my wedding. And uh, those two men had very distinct voices. And I could name uh, Adrian Rogers, who was pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago. We called him The Voice. Uh, and uh, he definitely had a distinct voice. And... Uh, when you heard them, you knew it was them talking. And there's just something that uh, comes to my heart and to my mind when I, I think about those men's voices. And you probably can uh, uh, hear someone's voice in your mind. It may be a grandparent, it may be a parent, a friend, someone you've known for a long time, that if you could hear their voice, 
It would bring meaning to you, uh, all kinds of meaning that it might convey to you. And uh, so when Peter uh, is writing here in 2 Peter, he's talking about hearing the voice of God. And so I want to pick up in verse 16 uh, of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. And uh, let me read down through verse 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths... When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And there's this majesticness of God. Uh, he's trying to describe, put in, in uh, words what it was like to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not on a day in day out basis but when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. When the, the, the veil, as it were, the, clo the, the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ was for a moment pulled back and they could see some of the splendor and glory of the second person of the Godhead. And when he sees it, he calls it that, that majesty, the majestic glory. Verse 17 says, And when we received honor and glory from God the Father... And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. It was the sound of many waters. Uh, John describes it in the book of Revelation. Uh, when Moses hears the voice of God, uh, he talks about it being like the, the thunder, the voice of thunder. Uh, hearing God's voice is distinct. Uh, you and I should not be, uh, 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 it shouldn't be dubious to us, it shouldn't be uh, uh, nebulous to us, it, it shouldn't be uncertain to us when we hear the voice of God. God speaks through His Word, by His Holy Spirit, and He speaks distinctly from His Word. Uh, there should be explicit clarity when God is speaking. When you and I say, I don't, I don't know if that was God speaking to me, then it's time to wait upon the Lord. Uh, it would be better for you and I to wait than to press on and saying, well, I think I heard God speaking to me through His Word. Uh, we, we shouldn't think so. We should know so. And so he says, we received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. And this is what he said. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You know it's the voice of God the Father when he magnifies the son. The, the Holy Spirit does not come to magnify himself. He comes to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you and I can get confused if we are hearing what we think is the voice of the Holy Spirit, and yet it's, it's magnifying the Holy Spirit. It might seem right at the time, but it is, it is not right, because He has one purpose. He has come to glorify the Son. And so it is with the Father. The Father has come to say, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And almost exclusively, you and I could say that if we're going to hear from God, we must hear from God 
from his word, from the scripture. So the scripture goes on and says in verse 18, and we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. So eyewitnesses to God, to God speaking. Uh, Peter was one of them. John was one of them. We, we heard his voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed as if we were not sure to begin with. We are certain now is what Peter says. We have a certain word from God. It is a prophetic word that everything that uh, is true about it comes to be when we talk about the prophetic word of God that means that everything that a prophecy says must come to pass or it is all to be rejected if a prophet claims to have a word from God and he speaks three-fourths of a truth is that truth or is that a lie according to the scripture it's a lie you can't speak three-fourths of the truth and it be from God if it's from God, every bit of it is true. And so there is clarity that he's giving here to the voice of God as it is testified to by eyewitnesses uh, that, that heard the very voice of God. And then he goes on to say, uh, this, this uh, prophetic word has been confirmed and you are and I are to pay attention to it like a lamp shining in a dark place until the dawn, day dawns, until the morning star rises in your heart. So it gives clarity to where we're to go, what we're to know, what we are to say. We should be able to say, thus says the Lord. There shouldn't be any question in our mind. Well, preacher, how do you know what you should say when you get in the pulpit? Well, one seeks the face of God one seeks the word of God and when you clearly have heard from God and his word what do you do you speak and say thus says the Lord this is what God has said and uh, so it is for a a teacher who teaches the word of God or a witness who proclaims the word of God to an unsaved person we speak forth the scripture and verse 20 gives testimony to that. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It's not something that you and I can come up with, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. It doesn't come because I wish it so, will it so, want it to be so. It comes to be so because God says it's so. And God says here in his word that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It was uh, several decades ago now that I remember hearing a, a pastor talking about his visit. He and his family went to uh, the World's Fair. And he said as we were parked our vehicle... Uh, we had to park a long ways from the entrance into the World's Fair. And he said, I could see off in the distance an, an old pump. You know, an old-timey pump. And uh, the kind you used to have to prime the pump. Some of you wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. Some of you would. 
you know, the, the kind that you, you don't turn on the faucet, but you have to put water in it to get it started. And uh, you would start pumping the pump, and eventually it would siphon water out. And he said, I could see way off in the distance this, this man pumping the water. He said, I kept walking closer to the man who was pumping the water. And he said, I, as I got closer, I began to see that that man was pumping water faster than any man I had ever seen pump water before. And he said, I just couldn't believe my eyes. He was pumping that so hard, it was almost a blur. And he said, well, the closer I got, the more I realized it really wasn't a man. That it was, it was made out of metal. It was the, the figure of a man who was attached to a well that was on top of an artesian well. Now, an artesian well is water flowing of its own power out of the ground. And so what was happening was this man was not pumping the well, it was the well pumping the man. That's the way it is with the Word of God. We are not to bring forth the Word of God. We are not to make up the Word of God. We're not to say this is what God says except when we say God's Word says thus and so. And it is true because God says it's so. God's Word is without error. It has no alterations within it. And you and I can depend on every word that God says from Holy Scripture. They were carried along, it says, by the Holy Spirit. So notice that when God is speaking, He speaks through the voice of witnesses, but He also speaks through the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, John's Gospel, uh, uh, what I meant to say was signs and wonders, okay? We're going to get to the Spirit of God. He speaks through signs and wonders. Uh, in John's Gospel, in the sixth chapter, it says in verse 22, On the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus... There we go. I think we're getting it. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I saw two batteries up here, and I guess they were for me to put in it. And I just threw them on the ground. And I, and I should have put it right in there. Uh, so there are signs and wonders. Jesus had been uh, healing, and uh, he goes to the other side of the Sea of Tiberias, and uh, the Scripture says... Other boats came. They followed Jesus. They came near the place where he had uh, gone and eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. It says in verse 24, And when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got in the boat, they went to Capernaum, and they were seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, 
And rabbi means master, teacher, teacher. Uh, when did you come here? They answered, Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because uh, you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves of bread. So your, your stomachs are full, and that's why you think you are hearing from God. God has done something for you, and therefore your perception is that God has spoken to you. And the Lord Jesus says, no, that's not the way we know when God has spoken to us. He has spoken to us through His Holy Word. How do you know when God is speaking to you? He is speaking to you from Holy Scripture as applied by the Holy Spirit of God. Someone says, thus says the Lord. Well, where are they getting that from? Are they getting it from Holy Scripture? God's Word says that must be true. There were those who had their stomachs filled, and because they had their stomachs filled, they were happy. And most of us are happy when we have our stomachs filled, especially if we've ever been hungry. But the Scripture says in verse 27 of John 6, I have food, uh, you have rather received food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, the Lord Himself has set as His seal. God gives us food, it is the Word of God, and it satisfies for all eternity. In verse 29, He says, and this is the work of God, that you may believe him whom he has sent. God has given us a clear word. It is likened unto food, but it is spiritual food. It becomes for us life and joy and peace when you and I believe what God says. And then fourthly, there's the voice of God the Father in verse 32. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but I tell you, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. The Father gives us the Son, and when the Son speaks, God speaks. And you and I have a clear word from God. And so God says, uh, they say to him in verse 34, Give us this bread always that we may eat. And Jesus turns to them in the next verse and says, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but shall have eternal life. He who believes in me shall never thirst. And so the word of God is God's written word given to us by the Father in the person of the Son of God. And men were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God to our souls. And so I can stand before you today as a pastor and say, this is what God says, because God's eternal Word says, if you believe in Him, 
He will satisfy a thirst that you have in your soul that nothing else in this life can ever satisfy. He will satisfy the hungering of your soul. And only God can do that. We uh, have come to a Sunday where we are celebrating the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is a picture for us of what it means for God to fill our souls with himself. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciples. Now, there were those who heard what Jesus said, and they accused the early disciples of being cannibals. They did. Uh, They put them alongside some of the mystery pagan religions because they said Jesus is saying you've got to eat his flesh, drink his blood. What was Jesus talking about when he said that? He was saying you need to ingest all of me. It's all of me in all of you. It's kind of like that, that artesian well that is pumping the man. It's when you and I come to rest in the faithfulness of who God is and take God at his word that God begins to do for us what we cannot do in and of ourselves. It is the Father who has a will, verse 40 tells us. And it's the Father's will that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the third day. We are getting ready to ask a blessing on this bread and on this juice. It it doesn't become the body of Christ. It, It doesn't become the blood of Christ. It, it is a symbol that reminds us that through Christ and through the spoken word of God, everything that he says is life and peace to our souls. And you and I come to this table to say, Lord, I am taking all of you in all of me. There comes a sweet surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us whoever will call upon upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will call upon him, whoever ask him will be saved and have eternal life. And how shall they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone is sent? And the word of God has been sent to our souls through the preached and taught Word of God. And you and I every day have privilege and opportunity to come before the Word of God and let God speak to our soul, and we are to ingest it. We're to take it all in. The Scripture says whoever will call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that person is saved, coming to a complete surrender to His Lordship, And saying to God, God, whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you lead, I will go. Now, I've been privileged, as I said, to have some great uh, men of God in my life who gave great influence toward the things of God in my life. And uh, I I hope that you can say that. Uh, I hope and pray that you can 
look on your life and say, there, God has supplied a mom and a dad, maybe a mom who is the kind of mother that we would celebrate on Mother's Day, who is faithful to the Word of God, who is doing for their children what uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother did for him. Remember, Paul writes back, and he says that that faith which first dwelt in you, that was taught to you, Timothy, by your mother and by your grandmother. God is calling us to be faithful, to teach his word, and our response to the word of God is to receive it wholeheartedly and gladly before the Lord. So we're going to move into a time of sharing in the Lord's table together. And when you and I do that, I want you to remember that what you're doing is you're saying to the Lord, I receive all that you are and all that you have for me is your child. It is something that we do by faith. And I realize you and I look at a cup and we look at a wafer and we say, well, it's just juice and it's just unleavened bread. That's all that it is. And indeed, that's all that it is. But it all points to the Lord Jesus Christ. It all comes to remind us that we have received Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, and we follow Him as our Savior. And we surrender to Him in such a way that He is at work in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so I want to lead us in a word of prayer, and then after that, Matthew is going to come, and he's going to lead us uh, in the uh, Lord's Supper. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father, it's just a simple reminder today that you have given us a promised word and it's clear, and you never, you never stutter. You never make mistakes. You don't misquote Scripture. You're always telling your children what we need to hear. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of neglecting the Word of God. To maybe not listen to what you have to say. A parent that would have to say, are you listening to me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Lord, we would all be guilty of that. But oh, we can't be guilty. By saying, Lord, I didn't hear what you said. For Lord, your word is life. And the one who believes in it has eternal life. The one that believes in you, though they were dead, yet shall they live again. And so, Father, I pray today that everyone under the hearing of my voice would trust Christ and Christ alone. There is no eternal life apart from Jesus. There is no hope apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.
there's no certainty that we'll rise from the dead and be resurrected to heaven except the one who died and rose again promises us that he has gone to prepare a place for us and if he has gone he will receive us unto himself that where we where he is there we shall be also and it is that Jesus the one revealed in scripture that we believe in that we trust in. And so, Father, as we come to this very spiritual moment of taking the Lord's Supper, we know that we are not worthy within ourselves. But, oh, Father, thank you that you have made us worthy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so it is by faith that we rest in all the precious promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. If you need to grab a cup, go ahead and go. You can, you can hop up while I share a little bit of Scripture. Uh, so as Paul, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 gives us some pretty stern words about communion and about Lord's Supper, that he tells us that this is to be taken with the gathered church of believers gathering together uh, in remembrance of what Jesus has done, that we have a little bit of juice and a little, uh, a little bit of bread, a wafer here, that is simply juice and a wafer. That's all it is. But it points to a very real sacrifice that Jesus made that the man, the God-man Jesus who gave his life on a cross for us in our place, that it cost something for us to be able to sit here and for us to be able to hear God's word and consider and think and repent of our sin to trust in him, that that ability cost Jesus very dearly. And so this is to remember what he has done as believers in him to remind ourselves of His grace, of His merciful work, uh, of giving His life on our behalf, and to draw us to that place of repentance, but also of celebration of His, of his completed work. Because this is not Jesus. He has already done it. It's completed work. It's finished. So that we look forward to one day as He returns to gather His people together, to sit down at a table with him again, physically present in the completion of his kingdom work. And so uh, we see in Matthew's gospel, we see he, Jesus, as he gathered the disciples around a table to celebrate Passover, he gave them at the end, the conclusion of the meal, he pulled a a wafer, he, well, he pulled bread and, uh, and wine and pulled these aside and set them and said this. So as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he said, take this cup, which was given, given thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of it, for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the for many for the forgiveness of sin. So just as he said, if you would, take the first little foil 
pull that off, take the waiver. As he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of him. And so as the scripture says that he, Jesus, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, that he gave it to them. He said, drink all of it for this is the blood of the covenant. This is the shed blood to purchase covenant forgiveness, which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he says that I tell you, I will not drink of it again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So if you would, take the juice and drink it off. Now if you would pray with me. Father God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your shed blood and your crushed body, that it was... The Father's good pleasure to crush the Son, to lay the iniquity of us all upon Him, and that by His stripes we are healed. And Father, thank You for revealing and showing us, not just in, in shadows and in mystery, but clearly as you, you slowly throughout history opened the veil of what was happening, you pulled the curtain back to where we see clearly and fully in Jesus who you are and your plan of redemption so that now in completeness we see, we see your work of grace in Christ. That there is no more sacrifice to be had. There is no system of merit to gain favor but it is simply the meritorious work of Christ on our behalf that gives us life eternal. There is no tarnishing, there is no lessening, there is no detracting or removal of the promise of your children in the grace of Christ because you, Lord Jesus, provided a sufficient sacrifice. And so, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for your work of mercy upon your people. And so, Father, would you forgive us? Would you draw us now as we, as we go to be mindful of the costly gift of grace, but God, also as we go to eat together as families and to uh, go about spending time together the rest of the day, that, Lord, our, our hearts and our minds, God, would, be, would continue to be in remembrance of what you've done and of what you are doing. That you are bringing together your people to one day you will sit with us again in heaven. At a feast. At the completion of all things. To where we are with you for all eternity. God, I thank you so much. I ask your grace upon us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.